Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are listening to Heroes because you love stories, which means you should already know, and if not, you're about to find out, about Audible. Listening makes us smarter, more connected people. It makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there's no better place to start listening than Audible. It's where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post, delivered daily to the Audible app. With the convenient app, members can access Audible anytime, at the gym, while commuting, on the go, and on any device. It will always pick up right where they left off. Audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you can roll over for a year, and a library you can keep forever, even if you cancel. So, for instance, you could jump into one of my all-time favorites, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon, a story about the golden age of superheroes as you've never imagined it that will turn your heart around entirely. And you can explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash heroes or text heroes to 500 500 that is again audible.com slash heroes get those stories stay little chico pit bull mr 305 better said mr worldwide and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast from negative to positive brought to you by my friends over at state farm i believe that to have success you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you you know the biggest risk you take is not taking one 
It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Welcome to Giant Size Hero 16. And boy, is it going to be giant size this week. Because after we recorded Collider Heroes this week, we found out some big, big friggin' news, Koi. I'm going to make you handle this. How you feeling? Well, you see, the thing about this movie is now we know the title of Spider-Man 3. Never going home. Oh, you can't go home again. Oh. He's been to homecoming. He's been far from home, and now he's never going home. Because Spider-Man and the MCU are no more, Sony and Disney could not make a deal. And frankly, I'm not surprised. I feel like this was a big shock to a lot of people. But if you, uh, if you know the deal that was made uh, all those years back, it was, hey, you can have Spider-Man in the MCU, but we're going to make the money and you're going to do the work. And frankly, I don't blame anyone for not wanting that deal. Kevin Feige deserves and the MCU deserves to make some money off of doing all of the legwork with the character. Um, that doesn't mean I'm mad at Sony. It does mean I'm mad at the situation. I think Sony has made uh, many great films and the, the stuff they're doing with Lord Miller are incredible. But but it's not fair for Kevin Feige to create without pay. It's, I mean, they, w- they were benefiting some from the films. They have the merchandising rights. They have the comics. And they have some percentage that we don't know. But the most recent articles are stating around 5% of the, uh, like, grocer ticket sales or something. Uh, but a- according to this most recent round of reporting, they were interested in something more like a 50%. And Sony was interested in keeping uh, that money. And honestly, the whole thing just makes me super sad because one hand giveth and one hand taketh away. We just got the X-Men and Fantastic Four back. And now the reality that we all tried to avoid looking at, that Spider-Man has not been at home this whole time despite all of the fun of watching him in the MCU, that he was only borrowed, apparently an end had to come. I, I honestly, I'm very curious to see, like, look, okay. My Marvel heart is never going to be happy with the idea of there being separate Marvel universes. It's just not going to happen. It hasn't been happy until now with that. It's going to continue to not be happy about that. But it's going to continue to get stuff I really love because Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is probably my – like edging up towards one of my favorite superhero films or films of all time. Like it was incredible and I would love to see more of that. But I'm real sad that that version of the universe is never going to meet the Fantastic Four and like bond with Human Torch. I don't, you yeah. know, it's just uh, Marvel is Marvel, and I'm mad about it because this is how corporate things work. Uh, I don't know, Corey. I uh, it's it's really ironic considering all those silly, silly, silly rumors of Deadpool three showing up and Spider Man, like Deadpool and Spider Man sharing a third movie because there was never an agreement that was going to make that work, especially with like combining Sony, Marvel, and Fox, and now it is as far from anything as it ever has been. Um, it's a bummer. I I just. 
I have so much respect for Kevin Feige, the businessman, that I, I hated to see the deal that he got. So I'm I'm really torn between like my logical adult brain and my fun-loving comic brain. Um, I hope that the Spider-Man films on their own are just as good. Uh, I don't know who they're going to put in charge of creative over at Sony because Kevin Feige's very much been the creative director for these movies. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what feeling the Spider-Man films are going to have now. Um, I don't need Iron Man to pop up in my Spider-Man film. I don't no. need those things. But what I do need is for the movies to feel like classic Spider-Man. And as many um, liberties as they took in Far From Home, which I've talked about many times, like that wasn't Spider-Man. That was a film Spider-Man. The things that they did in that movie mean you can't have a lot of iconic Spider-Man comic moments. But I'm OK because it's a new medium. I don't know how I'm going to feel about that if they change the character to not feel like classic Spider-Man. Does that make sense? I mean they've got Amy Pascal who knows what a Spider-Man film should be like. But I don't know I, – I just don't know what to – this is depressing news. Even yeah. though – even though in the non-film areas, Sony is delivering the stuff – or not – in the non-live-action film areas, Sony is delivering the stuff of dreams right sure. now. Sure. Because Into the Spider-Verse sounds amazing. We're very excited for Lord and Miller to head up whatever the TV universe is and uh, – which was going to be my – like I already had this at the top of the dock. Uh, we were going to be talking about Spideyverse because A, it just set a record. It is the highest grossing film in Sony's history. Yeah. And Far From Home. B, uh, they're planning a re-release with deleted scenes for whichever holiday's coming up. I always mix up Labor Day and Memorial Day. Labor Day? Labor Day. It's Labor Day. Um, I know what year it is. <laughs> uh, and three, the thing that I was very excited about, uh, Sony's bringing it all home. They bought Insomniac, the studio yeah. that made the Spider-Man game we all collectively went wild over last fall, which is a very good sign that more is coming from that corner. But this just... The th- here's the thing. I don't want Disney to buy Sony. I don't want more studio consolidation. I like having a lot of different things out there. But I can't be happy while my comic book universe lives in multiple places. Everyone is wondering, will this have any effect on the Spider-Man comics? Probably not. They have gotten along just fine for a very long time. Yeah. But, you know, you never know what the future holds and I would just rather it be simple and I can't go back and change the past and have them not sell off these rights. But it's going to keep breaking my heart. Yeah, it's definitely like it's a stressor and it's not it, – it's the exact opposite feeling of when the sell happened. Like when that bargain happened, we were all like, it's real. Yeah. It just – it can't exist forever. There was supposed to be one more film. Um, but it sounds like the renegotiation for more fell apart to such a level that we're not going there. Uh, I'm really curious how this re-release is going to feel. Um, you know, who's going to market it? Who's going to get profits from it? Like all those things, because you're re-releasing a movie that the rights have all changed on for the follow-up. Um, well, look, like Tom Holland is still great. Zendaya oh yeah, is still great. absolutely. That cast is still great. There's so many reasons to be happy. I, it's just this, and it's eventually going to mark me as some kind of weird old school fan that I just can't get over that is not at freaking home. But I, I, I agree though with the Sony thing. Like, it, a good part, not wanting them to buy it. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. Like, we shouldn't consolidate anymore. But at the same time, Sony now, it's their number one film of all time, plus they own the video game. Like, why the would you? The video game sold. I think they said 13 million units? Yeah, something absurd. <laughs> and it's not even a year old. But... Which would mean like, what, 50 bucks a game, roughly 13 million units. It's a half a billion dollars. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> they probably, and in your case specifically, sold actual units of PlayStations based on that game. I love you, Joe, your soul, but I still haven't opened my other games you got me in. <laughs> oh, no. I've still spent $400 on one game. <laughs> I have not had time to open another game. So I still, to this day, own a PS4 for Spider-Man. <laughs> 
It, uh, I did see a very funny uh, sort of humor article that said uh, Insomniac employees surprised to learn Sony did not already own Insomniac, <laughs> um, which is not entirely fair. They've made uh, games that are not PS4 exclusive in the past, but this is not a games podcast. I'm just excited because that game was very good. So I was excited to put that on the list because I was like, look at more good stuff coming. But that very much tracks with with Sony locking down their spider property. Mm-hmm. So it is a bummer. Um, it's actually tricky because I, there's only sadness to say. Like, I don't even know what to say about it except for like, well, there's not much we can do here's and it kind of makes sense. Okay, here's – I mean the quasi-good sign. In theory, as a Spider-Man fan, what this move means from Sony's side is they love him and they are confident in that character and they want to be in the Spider-Man business. Mm-hmm. That is technically what they're signaling by not – like, you know, the deal with Marvel was in part born out of the Andrew Garfield movies kind of underperforming and not being sure what the deal was. Right. And they sort of were willing to make that deal. Like, if you think of it from the corporation of a perspective, it was a position of weakness to let somebody else help you fix that. Right. Um, and this is a position of confidence and belief and strength. Sure. That, I like that positivity. That, and and it means like they're in the into the Spider Verse business. It means they're in the Spider Man PS4 business or PS5 or whatever's coming. Uh, it's just that you know my fangirl heart uh, is sad. Yeah, and I'm excited for all the Lord Miller stuff still. And I'm, I'm still excited for Spider Man Three because arguably. Wh- I want a Lord and Miller X-Men thing, and I'm never going to get it. Oh, that's very real. Uh, arguably the last five minutes of Spider-Man are when he's fully Spider-Man in, Sp- in Far From Home. Like, he's fully he's in New York. He's being Spider-Man. Like, to me, that's where I was about to kick off into the Spidey from the comics. Yeah. And that's not going to be part of Although, Marvel now. If you the end of that movie is like, he immediately is going to stop doing things that you recognize as Spidey. I'm very interested to see how Sony writes themselves out of this continuity yeah. place that they are now in. My goodness. Uh, we didn't really get, I think I left town right after that came out, so I didn't really get a chance to get into it. Yeah, you, you went to London. Big questions about where that's going. Uh, and how are they going to, like, the blip is a Marvel thing. And all the things that made, like, it's a very messy, messy oh thing. God, right? yeah. What? All What's of their continuity anymore? is Marvel-based. What? I mean, is it still going to... I mean, they just won't be able to reference it. Or that'll be legal. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. Just I mean, obviously, next fiction. week just we'll be everybody... diving into this more as we get details. But, man. Uh, woof. So that's huge. Yeah, we are going to have to obviously talk about this by the time next week's Heroes rolls around. Uh, we will have D23 news. Um, but, uh, yeah, honestly, my big takeaway, major bummer. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, so Into the Spider-Verse gets an Oscar, multiple sequels, television series from Lord Miller. Spider-Man Far From Home becomes Sony's number one film of all time. Sony buys Insomniac for more Spider-Man PS4. We, there was actually way more writing on the wall than I realized. Yeah. They are in the Spidey business. Yeah. And what business people like is to be maximize profits. Heads of business. Yeah. Um, I loved the the one because honestly, these as much as they're creative art forms that we love, they are also businesses. And that leads to sort of the unintentional comedy for me of reading through an official like whichever article I was just reading from Variety or Hollywood Reporter, whoever's reporting on this is uh, sort of saying, here's all the business realities. And then it's like, but it is reported that Kevin Feige is a big Spider-Man fan. And so <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because it's like, yeah, that's the way you have to report on that stuff. But like. Yes, we can see. We can see his heart. We can see his love of Spider-Man. Yeah. Of course he wants to be in the Spider-Man business because he's a freaking Marvel Comics fan. Yeah, he's a genius of continuity and world building. Like, it's <sighs> this is a loss for the character. We'll see how it lands. Oh. But good luck to you, team, who is going to, I'm yes. sure, very ably keep making Spider-Man films. 
Uh, and Tom Holland, you are obviously great. Uh, and you're just not allowed to talk to your family anymore. That's how this works now, I guess. I mean, Spider-Man got divorced. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's, oh, man. Okay, let's talk about something else. I'm sad. Uh, I'm going to skip around. We, so a fun thing that we referenced on Heroes this week, uh, which I thought was hilarious because Roxy is a Friends super fan. <laughs> uh, we found out a really fun fact about Why the Last Man this yes. past week. Yes, we did. <laughs> Um, and my favorite part of this is that there is any version of this that could actually be a story, uh, but is in fact very interesting. We found out they stunt cast the monkey from Why the Last Man. Yeah, they did. You didn't think it was possible, but they found a way. In the pilot that was shot for Why, the monkey who plays Ampersand, um, just going to go out there and say greatest of all monkeys, um, one of my favorite characters ever. Uh, I might be a Why the Last Man fan. Uh, <laughs> The monkey who played Ampersand is the same monkey who played uh, Ross's pet monkey, Marcel, in the classic sitcom Friends. I, the one that's made me happy to know that monkey is alive and well. I, we all collectively went, wait, how long do monkeys live? And yet, no, did everyone else Google this? Because I immediately was like, wait, this is amazing. I think we all did. Uh, so two, uh, I cannot wait to see that monkey again because he is a very big part of my childhood and why the last man is going to be incredible. And three, you can, it turns out, animal cast and have all of us as excited as casting a giant lead actor because this is the monkey. This is this is the Keanu Reeves of monkey casting. This is the move. So thank you for announcing it the way you did because now we're talking about a monkey well, on Giant Size Heroes. And I think we found out about it because the FX boss was like, I'm not an idiot. I rec- I watch Friends. I just saw him in the pilot and was like, is that that? Like, Can we get him? Like, like I want to know what agent represents that monkey and someone had to call me like, hello, yes, we'd like the monkey from Friends. Well, he's very in <laughs> demand yeah like she, what are your terms she she's sure. very in demand <laughs> what are your terms and hopefully it is a sheik that would make more sense for why the last man uh well that's what's oh, that's what's so oh man oh oh i'm so excited i'm gonna make you read why it's gonna be good oh yeah uh, that's actually uh three series away so i am issue 70 of 100 bullets oh. i am issue 17 of paper girls and i am issue 46 of invincible because I'm, so I'm reading steeple hands you can't see she's them, doing steeple hands i'm very hands. excited so my weird thing is i'm reading three series i'm supposed to have read that i haven't read while i'm reading all of the marvel dc and image books so those are my three but i'm in the home stretch yeah. and i finished and saga actually, and I, finished... I still haven't done invincible so Ooh. i might have to put that on my it's a fun list. journey to go through them like as a binge and yeah, i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. learning to appreciate your trade love it, that that was the point of this mission was to appreciate trades and I'm, I'm i'm reading the compendium of, of invincible so i've got 47 issues the book is so heavy i'm afraid to drop it on my face so i don't read it when i'm tired it's a problem it's a beast it's not as bad as an omnibus like the the marvel hundred pounders but uh uh they're big yeah it's a whole Compendia. thing it's a, a po- very popular image format which we are actually going to talk about later Ooh, um, we have some more new- news to run through we got we didn't really cover this last week so this was an older interview but uh i figured we should throw it up there we got an interesting look via jeff Loeb at the state of marvel television now speaking of the marvel universe being divided into parts um a thing that always makes my heart hurt when i think about it but then i love the individual things that come out of it runaways for instance um as you know we are very unbiased on the subject of runaways <laughs> uh but the there was an interesting interview that Jeff Loeb gave about the state of Marvel television, which included a lot of excitement for the next things that are coming and a lot of reflection on the process of sort of what has been a a turbulent but productive last several years as, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is wrapping up, as the Marvel Netflix shows go away, but as they're uh, opening new vistas they didn't have before, like their uh, crossover coming between Runaways and Cloak and Dagger, like the two new announced, uh, he's calling them 
uh, what did they say? Adventure into fear, terrorverse. There's a name that they've given to the uh, scary Hulu shows, the Hellstrom and Ghost Rider, um, which he says there's going to be more of. Um, I'm going to look up what they're calling them because it was a nice old school comic-y name, and I think it was Adventure into Fear, but we'll find it. Uh, and, the, of course, the four adult animation series coming to Hulu and the new mysterious ABC show. The interview didn't have a lot of details, but it was very interesting to run down all of these widely varied projects. And Jeff Loeb had some interesting comments about how proud he is of the variety of things that they do and uh, that he feels like they don't have a formula. They just keep trying new things and trying to do it better than last time. So I'm very interested in that. And... I'm finding the damn Adventure Interfere. I was right the first time. I should just <laughs> trust myself. Um, it's Adventure Interfere. It's, uh, he's calling it terror rather than horror, but it's clearly the Dorian to the Supernatural verse, um, Hellstrom Ghost Rider, and some to-be-announced shows that he was not willing to uh, bust out. He also wasn't ready to talk about what might be possible for Marvel Television post-merger. Obviously, uh, I don't know if Marvel TV was the official people who made Gifted, but I imagine they must have been. Yeah. Um, or they must have – I don't know. Was it a Fox team? I think Loeb is uh, overseeing all – was overseeing that. Uh, but So anyway, lots to come from that. Did you have any big questions or things emerging from that that you were curious about? Legion obviously also running up – running uh, wrapping up right now. Um, I think it, it's a good uh, – my theory is it is a good way to set up Blade and stuff. Mm. Uh, my theory is that if you want to have the universe make sense, you need pockets. So now that we've had Guardians, we've got the cosmic pocket. So it's going to make sense as we go Fantastic Four and all those things and like lead into that. And without the cosmic flavor of Guardians, the the – Endgame stuff wouldn't have worked. So I think if you're going to bring in a blade and you're going to have all those things, he can't be the only one like that. If we've got the MCU like la da da da, and then like vampires are here, that doesn't work. So I think having this little corner makes sense. But he is clear that in the interview uh, that there is a separation between Marvel Television Productions and the Marvel Studios Productions that are including the new TV shows for Disney Plus. There are some as yet unannounced. Uh, Marvel television productions for Disney Plus. He would not let on what those were. I, I wonder if that's something we might get this weekend. I, yeah, um, I think. Oh, that's a really – yeah, I think but, that – But uh, those are separate from the Marvel Studios ones, which seems like it would make it unlikely for Hellstrom and Ghost Rider to tie directly into Blade unless they can work out a new arrangement. What a mess. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like legal and, and lawyers and stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is a very good point, and I don't know how they will be solving it, uh, but I do know – I would want the precedent – like the precedent of Runaways helped Cloak and Dagger even though they were at once different networks but now they're at the same network. Or like are they still at Freeform? I think they're all Hulu now. Okay. So remember we'll like – check our facts. We'll figure out where to watch <laughs> no, it. No, but remember, remember there was that one season of uh, Runaways that was Hulu and then it went internationally onto ABC Freeform and now I think you can watch everything on – you know, there's too many. I can't keep track. We watch these things, but we're not sure how we're watching them, honestly. <laughs> Just digging myself a hole by going like, wait, where did I watch that? They're no, all great. It's a lot to keep track of. And if they would just number their universes the way they do the comic book ones, Koi and I would be fine. Oh, yeah. No, if you had one called the 616 and yes. the 1610, you had all those labels, all about it. We if would you could be just... like – if Hickman could make us a chart that shows us where to watch our Marvel shows uh, and in what order we should – yes. Please, <laughs> Jonathan please Hickman, some charts. please Help tell us. me where Daredevil lives and where the Runaways live yeah. and give me numbers. I can do numbers. Please and thank you. Oh, did you see the uh, the auction was this week for all the, the Netflix shows? So oh, the, the prop auction. They've done a bunch of them over time, but this week was the big ones. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I meant to put it in the rundown, but I just thought of it. So here we are. Uh, Stephen DeKnight won the Daredevil suit. Oh. 
So one, it's kind of weird. He had to auction. He had to buy I guess his own. Everybody gets a fair shake at it. <laughs> but I, he said like it's gonna proudly sit in the office where it belongs. It was just a really interesting like bittersweet. Well, I'm glad he got the suit. He made that show so perfect with. Yeah. Uh, also, Stephen tonight, a bunch of people were total dicks to him about how bad the suit was, and I think the Daredevil suit's amazing, and he handled it like a goddamn champion. So I have even <laughs> more respect for that man now for uh, not letting trolls be trolls. Uh, he's but, a Buffy vet, so I automatically love him. Yeah, um, it, I and that shows. Um, but it is a uh, it's a bummer that the props are gone, the shows are over, and uh, it was very sad to see those things just go around the world. Well, and I think it, eventually we we have to learn to think of these things the way we think of like theater. Runs mm-hmm. don't last forever. New stories will be told. New people will get to tell them. Uh, and if you get to have like a cool like the playbill from the original premiere of whatever, then you have a piece of that moment in time and there will be other stories to come. We got to see Daredevil with the original cast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, none of us made it to Hamilton, but we all got to see Daredevil. Uh, so we do get, uh, speaking of things, coming forward in time, D23 is this weekend, and we're already getting some details on the Disney Plus shows. We learned this week that Loki will be six-hour-long episodes. So it looks like we are going BBC-style miniseries, prestige format kind of deal, um, which sounds good to me. We also learned that Tom Hiddleston has known about this series for a really long time and had to pretend like uh, like Infinity War was his uh, final bow because that was necessary at the time. So it's a good thing actors are trained to pretend things because I can imagine that being really awkward. <laughs> can imagine if someone's like giving you genuine sympathy and you're doing the mental math of whether there's someone you can tell or not tell and you have to sit there having a serious conversation with a friend who's pouring their heart out to you but you have mentally judged that they are not allowed to know this fact that must be weird as heck that's why you pay them <laughs> pay your friends no no that's why i pay actors because oh, they yeah. have to have the mental fortitude i, I like your, i would bribe them uh be like, i like how amy left not to the actors having to be being like you're my friend here's 20 dollars yeah right <laughs> i'm sorry i lied to you about loki being dead guys if i made that disney shill money i'm supposed to i'd be paying a lot more friends <laughs> all right this next one isn't relevant but i wanted to put it on here anyway <laughs> It is a new He-Man series coming to Netflix. I've killed Koi. I just love um, that, like, when I, I had the exact same thought. I was reading this, and I was like, how is Amy going to tie this in? And instead of a tangent, you're just like, and it doesn't fit here. Like, I'm your tangent. not even going to try. Um, it's, well, you know, <laughs> it's not as, re- okay, so here's here's how I'm going to work it out. Y'all remember, we had Noelle Stevenson, uh, showrunner of She-Ra, the mm-hmm. amazing Netflix show on uh, Collider Heroes to talk because she is fantastic and also because she is legit one of the greatest cartoonists of our time um, who just also happens to make a show for Netflix. So Kevin Smith has also written comics. Yeah, I was going to so say, bam, Kevin relevant. Smith totally ties into comics in any direction he so chooses because exactly. he's Kevin Smith. Um, that's how – so I, I had three notes on this one. A, very exciting. Kevin Smith, He-Man, Netflix, uh, the the talent that's attached there, Eric Carrasco from Superman, I think Mark Medardin mm-hmm. um, is attached to this one. Some really exciting stuff. Uh, and Bernardin is so excited because he's been uh, – the last couple of times I've seen him, he's been like, and there's a thing coming. And I've been like, what is it? He wouldn't tell me. Now I know. Yeah. So See, excited. you were one of those friends that he wasn't handing $20. Yeah, um, damn it. Gotta work on that. <laughs> B, everyone watch She-Ra. That's in my notes because <laughs> I, if you haven't been, what what are you doing what are you with doing? your life? Um, and C, okay, I have a question, Koi. What does the word anime mean? <laughs> to me, it is a certain style of animation we typically think of as Japanese animation. But it contains a million styles just like comics do. Sure, but there's a a, a flavor to anime, right? Like there's a certain look, a there's stylistic. There's a country it's made in. Right, but is that not – But like – But when you export the animation – I mean it's just – I. This isn't the 
first time it's come up. Yeah. Uh, it's become a customary way of labeling stuff. So maybe I'm fighting a losing battle and it's just going to come to mean something else. But what is that something else? Because it's just animation. Right. And it how do you animation distinguish? made in Japan. Like manga are comics made in Japan. Yeah. And there may be storytelling things more widely associated with it. There may be styles that we recognize as coming from there. But just like American comics and to a greater extent, they have a wide variety of styles and subject matter and tones and genres within those mediums. It's a medium, Media? not a format. Right? Yeah. Like like we talk about with comics, it's a medium. Right. It's not a, a, a thing. You don't like, – kids' movies aren't anime. And like animation isn't a kids' movie thing. It's a medium. I don't – so my thing is it's 2019. I don't label anything. <laughs> Because it's scary and it's intimidating and probably wrong. So it's a cartoon, goddammit, and it I is. enjoy that cartoon because yeah. I don't want to be wrong and insult anyone. Hey, and they said it's an anime in their marketing, so maybe it is. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm – either way, I'm excited. I don't believe in labels. I go to Burning Man. It's a cartoon. <laughs> Uh, so, the- oh, I need to apologize in advance. Uh, this is the second on that show before I go to Burning Man. When I get back, I the amount I've been able to segue into Saga, I apologize in advance for referencing everything to being like Burning Man the first three weeks I'm back because it's inevitable. Every year I go, I'm one of those people that it changes their life, and I'll be like, yeah, you know, it's Spider Man, just like this time at Burning Man, and I'm so sorry. Well, you're lucky they just made Far From Home, so it'll be more relevant than usual. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I'm going with like Matt Key and a bunch of other comic people, so comics are going to be like Aww. like me and Talison were already talking about. Uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run at load in. I'm like, this burn's going to be comic-tastic. You just said some things. Uh, the Hawkeye <laughs> part I understood. Burning Man is a desert festival, essentially, that happens every year. For folks unfamiliar with it, you will be hearing more about it when Koi is back. <laughs> uh, it is a place where people go. They build a city out of nothing. They com- This is important. Take it completely apart uh, and try not to leave a bunch of junk behind. And in the meantime, there's a lot of art and interesting human experiences. It's been going for something like 20 years. Uh, I think it's approaching 30. It's, it's about radical self-reliance. So it is about leaving nothing behind as you get there. And the reason I love it is because it shows me exactly how much I use modern-day trappings. And it makes me appreciate, like, when I, the first few days I'm oh, back from Burning Man. to give a place that's about radical self-reliance, the most important parts of which are all about community building and giving to others. Sure. Okay. It works. But, but like, self-reliance amongst, amongst the community, like, within sure. just the community. Like, there's no, it's not a bartering system. It's a gifting economy. So yeah. you literally go with everything you need. And then if you have access. You share. And yeah. that's uh, the opposite of L.A. So it makes me appreciate L.A. so much more because I see it for what it is. Uh, so, yes, you're going to be hearing more about that in the, uh, when it comes back because Burning Man is an event that, like, gravity distorts everything around it. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that very much. But in a nice way. Now, uh, this Kevin Smith uh, He-Man thing, I know very little about it, but he's so pop culture savvy that I'm really excited to see his take because I'm not much of a He-Man guy. Mm. So I'm really excited to see it through the lens of Kevin Smith because that's something that would probably – this would be one of those like gateways where I might discover it through Kevin and then I might like He-Man and go back. Like uh, Nick Spencer is writing Archie right now and mm-hmm. I've never read an Archie book. And now I'm Which reading is Archie. Wild right. Like, so uh, now I feel like I'm going to go read the Mark Wade stuff because <laughs> of the art. Like, the reason I love comics and pop culture is you can discover a facet of it through a creator and then you can discover a whole world and there's no end in sight for this world. So it's, there's it's really exciting. There's an infinite number of doors in and I love that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, also on the docket this week, I, I put this just as a bonus. This was a bit older, but uh, if you haven't seen this, you got to look up Warren Ellis's Kevin Smith story. I kind of don't want to ruin it it's for darling. you here. Just Google that uh, because Warren Ellis, famous science fiction author and comic book creator, has a Kevin Smith story that doesn't involve meeting Kevin Smith, but does involve Kevin Smith being 
awesome. Uh, so he seems like a rad dude. It's just the best. Uh, and so this next story is another bummer because these are shows we were excited about and for, and we found out this week that Krypton uh, will not be picked back up at Sci-Fi, and the projected Lobo show that we talked about on Heroes mm-hmm. uh, as a possibility because they were working on that at the time of the premiere of the season of Krypton is not currently happening. Now, we don't know what the future holds for those. They could be shopped around, uh, but we know that they won't be making any more of them at Sci-Fi, and that's a bummer. It is, and I, I like the Shakespearean flavor they gave Krypton. It was a really dense show, and I liked the character development, and I really liked what the leads did with these characters. Zod was fascinating. Segel is a character I never thought I'd like, and Cameron <laughs> made him very – like, you put on paper, we're going to make a prequel show to Superman by having his grandfather talk to Zod about, like, nuanced – no. Yeah, uh, and it yet, sounded like a weird pitch. Yeah. Yet. It totally worked for me, just like Pennyworth totally worked for me. I'm, I'm digging these pre-prequel shows so very much. Uh, uh, I DC has continued to impress me, and I'm very bummed about this Krypton thing. Yeah. We got some mostly small stuff in the movie-verse aside from the big Spidey news this week. Um, we got a piece of casting for Suicide Squad, which just shows that's moving forward. Um, Flula Borg, is that how you say it? Yes. Uh, is joining the cast. My favorite thing about the Suicide Squad casting uh, news uh, in general is that I have no idea which of these characters are just going to explode three seconds in. Because <laughs> um, you're letting James Gunn make a Suicide Squad movie. Oh, uh, David Small, she in front of the show is on it. I cannot wait for this movie. Uh, This next one is not even a news story. It's just in here because all hail Kate Blanchett. (laughs) Uh, Kate Blanchett rules uh, and is fabulous and, you know, unlike maybe other people in the world, has seen the Marvel movies uh, (laughs) and enjoys them uh, and commented on the red carpet as she's promoting her new film uh, that she specifically loves to go see the movies, uh, see them with her kids. And this is my favorite bit apologized to Taika before saying that, yes, Captain Marvel was definitely her favorite. I, you know, I respect it. I, and I love that she is invested and I love that she owns that, you know, that the one she's in is in her favor. That seems real honest. And I love that she apologized to Taika on the way to that. I, I want to see them have like a fake feud about it. You know what I mean? Like where Brie Larson has to come in as like the peacemaker. And like a mediator. Um, like, no, no, no. It's okay, guys. <laughs> it's fine. It's going to be fine. Uh, it was just a really sweet, supportive comment. And they were asking her her thoughts on Natalie Portman becoming Jane Foster yeah. Thor, um, which she is completely down for. And it was just really nice because I literally saw sometimes forget that she was the first female villain in the MCU. Oh, wow. I often – I just right now was reminded. I often right? forget that. Yeah. Correct. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's – so Kate Blanchett rules. The end of that story. Um, <laughs> and can come to hang out with me and watch Captain Marvel anytime. You're welcome on Heroes anytime or Giant Size. <laughs> Kate Blanchett, as you're listening to this, know that you're welcome. Yeah. Bring your kids. Next time it you're in town. It's a, it's a family-friendly environment. Uh, So we also – I think this was this week. We learned some more facts about the Russos and their love for Wolverine. They really love Wolverine. (laughs) I mean they're not like wrong to love Wolverine. (laughs) They they were asked a number of hypothetical questions about who else would have survived the snap had they been in the MCU. Uh, And their answer is that if they had the X-Men to play with, they would have enjoyed wiping them all out except for Wolverine. Which I wanted to roll my eyes out, except is a very classically Wolverine thing to do. Oh, 100%. Like, <laughs> oh, half are gone? Well, no, actually 99% of the mutants are gone, except Wolverine. Oh, I see. So you're writing a Wolverine comic, are yeah. you? That's what happens. As soon as his name gets on the masthead, the other X-Men are doomed. <laughs> yeah, except for the Jason Aaron Wolverine and the X-Men, which only survived because we knew that they were in the title. Uh, Wolverine is a very, very showboaty, except he hates being in the spotlight. <laughs> I like that 
want to be the last X-Men, but he's the best there is at what he does. And what he does is lonely as heck. <laughs> the guy that's sitting by himself smelling like a feral dog at the pub drinking a beer doesn't want to be in the spotlight, but he always is. Would really rather this not be happening. He's again. five foot six. Let him be short and alone. <laughs> Uh, and while I would have been super mad at that, I'm sure it would have made for a good story. Uh, we did, and this was just an interesting thing that I ran across this week. I had not seen this interesting Eternals poster art that we saw posted this week, uh, that was, I think, handed out at Comic-Con, but that looked very spacey and sci-fi and maybe celestials and maybe what's going on there. Uh, Corey, did you have thoughts on this? Um, I was in the Hall H panel and didn't see this, for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, so when you sent this, I was like, I this is, is news. Is it fake? Did I fall for some, like, fishing thing? What is it real? I did not see this anywhere. Okay. But it is on Collider's website. So Wait. I will stand by the vetting of our compatriots and <laughs> assume that they did the work of knowing if it's fake. And I might eat these words next week. Uh, so it says concept illustrator Rodney Fuentebea uh, just released his first bit of art for Marvel's cosmic phase four film Eternals, which doubled as an exclusive poster out of last month's San Diego Comic-Con. So it's just interesting because it is these like sort of Transformers movie looking robot things uh, striding down a uh, cool landscape. So it doesn't give you a lot of detail, but they do look enormous, which is very fair to the sort of. Uh, celestial, eternal, cosmic nonsense backstory we are working with, um, and I am excited to see what it means. It was an exclusive poster given out on Sunday at the event, Corey, so that's why you didn't oh, okay. reading Rodney's uh, Instagram post here. Uh, <gasps> I know what this it. was. What? Okay. Uh, I think if you went to the panel, you got a ticket, and then if you cashed in the ticket, you got a poster, but it was at another booth. Mm. But if you know anything about Hall H, that line to get things is Eight years long. That makes sense. I'm the problem. I should have. Man, I had a ticket and didn't get the Eternals post. So it does exist. It's so exclusive that I didn't even. Could have been yours. I'm a failure. Uh, No, but it is great to get a look at. I'm very excited for what that means. Um, They're clearly playing into the cosmic and sci-fi elements of it. Uh, And even if that just ends up being like a flashback to the founding of the world, um, I'd be hilarious if it's like, no, literally those are the bad guys. And they just showed us and none of us noticed. Uh, (laughs) In more kind of corporate bummer news, uh, this is it's a very this is the corporate episode corporate of Giant bummer. Size Heroes. Yep. Um, we love companies, uh, but we did find out on I, I had missed this in some of the other announcements about the Fox Disney merger. We talked, I think we talked a little bit about the fact that like uh, Dark Phoenix underperforming has prompted sort of a scale back in a lot of the Fox development slate. Yeah. And in addition to things that we already knew weren't moving forward, like the Mouse Guard project, on the list of things that had been planned and no longer are in the works was a Lumberjanes movie. A live action film based on Lumberjanes from Boom Studios, which had a first look deal with Fox, uh, which was also co-created by Noelle Stevenson, but I don't believe she was involved in that production. But they were starting, I think they they had announced a director for that, Emily Carmichael, I think. Uh, But we hadn't had news on it in a while. So it's possible that this would have happened already anyway, like a lot of things, as we know from this show. There are many different colors of green light, and this one had not yet made one of the brighter greens, as far as we could tell. But it is sad to see it on the list of things officially not happening, especially since the Lumberjanes is about a bunch of girls at camp fighting monsters. And it, I don't see how that possibly do- can't, like, you're Disney. Make a movie about <laughs> girls at camp fighting monsters. Are you crazy? Like, this is, it's a perfect fit. Anyway, um, maybe they'll start over from scratch and we will get, like, Lumberjanes animated, which I think would be rad. 
It could um, be rad. Maybe it'll be from Netflix and maybe it'll be called an anime and I'll just have to revise <laughs> all of my definitions. I don't know. Words. Do they mean things? Um, speaking of whether words mean things, uh, I don't know if you had a, a chance to take a look at this next one. The Spiegelman? Yes. Uh, I've read the highlights. I've not read the entire essay. It is good. Yeah? Uh, so this week we learned that... Uh, Comic book author and genius Art Spiegelman, whose graphic novel Mouse was the first comic to win a Pulitzer Prize uh, as an outstanding iconic work of literature, which is a – Mouse is a version of a true story involving his father and the Holocaust and the history of World War II. It is told in the form of mice and cats. It is – profound and beautiful and heartbreaking and if we haven't said it lately on this podcast you must read mouse it is not a easy read uh but it is brilliant and anyway art spiegelman uh that's his the the backdrop here he was asked to write an essay not for marvel proper but for something called the folio society a sort of high quality literary releases work that's doing these special reprints of comics from the first decade of marvel from the golden age of marvel so for this folio society release they had commissioned art spiegelman well regarded genius cartoonist to write a preface for it uh and the preface he turned in contained a an anti-trump reference uh in the form because to write about the history of the golden age of comics, he was, of course, writing about fascism. He was writing about the cultural currents behind which the largely Jewish creators of the first generation of comics were creating all of their work. He runs through the history uh, in this essay, uh, and he included, like, a two-word reference uh, at the end of the essay, in this case, saying something about uh, movies capturing the Marvel characters and carrying them forward, the red skull being on the screen. And what he said was, and an orange skull haunts America. And the Folio Society work, which is being co-published by Marvel, they asked him to remove that reference uh, because they were instructed by Marvel that they were supposed to stay apolitical. Rather than taking out the reference, he withdrew his essay and he placed it with uh, The Guardian, the newspaper. Uh, So you can read substantially that essay with some context added onto the end from Art Spiegelman. You can read it, and I recommend reading it. It is mostly just a great rundown of the golden age of comics and what they meant and where they came from. Uh, the publication, the Folio Society publication, is still moving forward. It has a new prologue from Roy Thomas, who probably doesn't know that any of the rest of that happened. Probably, yeah. Um, and that is uh, the basic facts on that. And I figure my comment is just going to be you should go read that essay and come to your own conclusions. Uh, but it is definitely worth your time. And mine will be uh, comics are political. So I think it's really important that we have the ability to use art to have commentary because art is a commentary on our times. So I am in camp. This shouldn't have been removed, but I will not get into the politics of why I think it shouldn't have been removed. But I will say with all certainty in my voice that art is commentary on society and society needs to be commented on now. Spiegelman himself said that this reminded him that everything is political, which he had thought like he considered himself less political than some of his peers. But it was a an interesting reminder for him that everything is political and 
and in conclusion, punch Hitler in the jaw. I also uh, – and there is, a, there is a merit to escapism and I've, I've noticed there have been times I've wanted to escape and not have politics thrust uh, before me. So I totally understand uh, you, dear viewer, that is saying like, no, don't bring politics into this. I see both sides but uh, when there are times of duress or extremes, it does invade everything in life. So you can't escape it at all times. Uh, the reason we avoid politics in the show is it's not fair to the half of you or more that disagree. But at the same time, politics aren't something you can escape. So it's silly to not think it's a part of life. We live in reality and we're going to continue to acknowledge it. Um, it's not the primary subject matter of our show, which is why I would say we don't tend to get into it a lot. But this uh, bit about Art Spiegelman and Marvel is, in fact, uh, the kind of thing that we talk about here. And I do encourage you to go read that essay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, should you encounter Hitler, punch him in the jaw. <laughs> a la Captain America. Um, very political. So we also got – I just thought this was fun. There's a new trailer out this week for the return of uh, one of my favorite comics, the weird, poetic, western Pretty Deadly, uh, which is about Death's Daughter. It's mythology. It's a Western. It's all kinds of great stuff uh, from Kelly Sue DeConnick and Emma Rios, a brilliant artist. Uh, and it has been a hiatus for some time. We didn't know if they were making more, and they are. They are making some set in early old Hollywood, um, and they made a trailer for it, and I thought that was keen. Hell yeah. Yeah. You should watch it. You should watch the trailer for Pretty Deadly, The Rat. <laughs> Uh, uh, because I, I, it's interesting. Send if you all see particularly interesting bits of comic book marketing. That is something we're also just interested in. So make mm-hmm. sure that we get our eyes on those things. Speaking uh, this week's pull list. <laughs> Speaking of dope, dope marketing. Uh, you can't see Amy right now, but she's wearing a saga. Tank top and Saga number one is well Saga with the number one on it because it's the entire first half of Saga. The Saga compendium is our number one draft pick of the week. It is giant size heroes tastic and it is a giant size compendium. Uh, I'm so excited for you guys. If you haven't read Saga, you've got 54 issues coming at you in one digestible chunk. It is a a big chunk. It should be. I'm very interested to see because I haven't gotten to hold one in my hands yet. But I know what the typical so. I held one in my hands at your store today. Really? That's really funny. Oh, when they were unloading them? Because they're not for sale yet and we would not break policy. No, no. I was on my way here and I was like, I've got an extra 10 minutes. I'm going to go pick up my pull from last week, not from this week. Yes, yes, yes. And I saw them back there and I was like, can I just just touch one? And they were like, you can't. I was like, no, no. I just want to touch it. So I just like (laughs) put it back. They're very good about not letting people, but I was like, no, no, I just want to hold it. Again, we do not sell them early, <laughs> but if we happen to be unloading enormous paperbacks from boxes. And uh, some monster runs around the desk and grabs one. Don't do it. Coy crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I committed a coy crime at your store because I was like, I have to hold it. That's amazing. I must possess this you knowledge. You are banned from the store. <laughs> My um, pull it's list. a shame, but uh, we're selling them to the highest bidder. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm thrilled about this. Uh, compendiums are have become a trademark format, mostly for the Kirkman stuff at uh, Image, which is, in his case, usually four years of a book, 48 issues in one monster paperback for 60 bucks. In this case, uh, because 54 is the natural stopping point for Saga um, and the first half of it, they are doing those in one giant paperback. I have heard over time that Walking Dead sells – which sells – wildly well in every possible format. Apparently, I think Kirkman said sold best of all in these four-year compendiums. That's cool. Um, which are these enormous chunks of book, um, but at a nice, affordable, like 60 bucks is a lot, but 60 bucks for four years is a great deal. And so, this is like seven years, yeah, right? Yeah, because Saga takes breaks. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that is out in the world, so you can get totally caught up 
Thank you for still tweeting at us every week that you're finally reading Saga. It's the best thing and it makes our hearts happy. Corey, what else we got this week? I, I just got to, before yeah. we leave Saga, yeah. 54 issues 54 for $59.99. That is a dollar and change per issue. Like a dollar and eight cents or it's something. absurd. So 60 bucks sounds like a lot, but I want to stress that seven years. Th- okay, if you're 30, seven years ago you were 23. I guarantee you were a very different person. Think about how much your life has changed in seven years. That's how much your life can change for a mere $60. Buy this book. Change your life. Yeah, they're not sponsoring us, but we wish they were uh, because we would probably get free saga stuff. Please, actually, yeah. <laughs> that I can stop spending my own money on it at every convention. I, I am about to get all the hardcovers, and I would like very much if that was a sponsor <laughs> choice. So, hello, Image Comics. Please be listening. I would like the hardcovers. I'll take this, too. $60 is nothing. Corey, this is so funny. The rest of our episode is complaining about corporations. And, and now we're lobbying. Like, Image, call us. Immediately lobbying. We love you. Corporations uh, can be good, too. Hello, corporate America. <laughs> I would like a saga compendium. <laughs> Uh, we also have on the pull list this week, uh, our number two draft pick is going to be Batman number 77 mm-hmm. because Tom King has been writing Batman for years and years and years and he is reaching – 2016 but it feels like 100 years. Oh, wow. Is that it? Three years. He goes so fast. He goes so fast. Wow. Okay. It's because he's st- with this two twice a month schedule. That's it's incredible. I really thought it was like five. Isn't that bizarre? Good on you, Tom King. Yeah. Uh, so issue 77 is building to his climax. There is going to be, I believe, 80 – Six or 83? 83. Something like that. Uh, Tom King is going to end his run, but then he's going to the Bat and the Cat miniseries. So this is building to the end of his Batman run on the Batman title, and it is the City of Bane stuff. And I have seen so much buzz on Twitter this week around this book. I've seen so many comic creators hyping this book. I hear it's insane. I haven't read it, but hype, hype, hype. Speaking of uh, insane books... You know you got to read Powers of X and or Powers of Ten. Number three, we are all following joyously along with the wild, wild Hickman saga of X-Men. I've had a bunch of great conversations with folks about this uh, because even the parts that don't make sense are incredibly fun. Uh, and we are getting – this is the week that they reversed the order on us. But the key is just buy whatever the new Hickman X book is. The second and third printings of those are starting to roll out, so they'll get a little easier to find uh, as we move forward. But it's just really nice to have everybody so excited about this and to trade all of our theories. And do you think we're good for spoilers for House of X 2 by now, or should I still hold off? I was thinking when we – like next week – on our giant size, we do a deep dive because we didn't have time this week as the Spider-Man. And we had several requests specifically for a deep dive on Hawkspox. Let us know if that would be something you'd be into uh, because, again, it's not a movie, but we care about it a lot. I think I think a deep dive. We'll give it one more week because that was only last week. Okay. Uh, and by that time, we will have, let's see, all three issues of Powers of X and two issues of House of X. And then we'll have the next house next week, I think. But we won't have it in our hands yet, so we'll just review Almost at the halfway point. We could wait one more week. Let's do a halfway point. Okay. I like that. Halfway theories. New plan. Two Uh, (laughs) weeks from now, halfway point theories. Get caught up on Hawks and Pox uh, so that we can talk. We will attempt to flag down the spoilery portion of it. But when we're halfway through each of them, we're going to have a little talk. Because we we previewed before one and then halfway and then at the end. I like that. Okay. Two weeks. Okay. Tell us about Pearl. Uh, Pearl. Okay. Have you read Pearl? I haven't yet. Okay. Now, I love my boy Brian Michael Bendis. He yep. is so consistent. I love his characters. I love his worlds. 
Pearl is about an albino member of the Yakuza that discovers more and more about her Yakuza heritage and has tattoos on her pearl skin that basically when she's flush or excited only appear when there's blood in her skin. So she has like invisible tattoos that when she's excitable or flush, like appear. So the art is staggering. Her style is amazing. David Mack, right? Yeah, David Mack. Uh, It's just everything. Uh, I think David Mack's the covers. I think someone else is inside now that I'm thinking about it. Let me check my Because David Mack is definitely the covers. Uh, But it is a... Staggering book. Oh, uh, Michael Gatos. What am I doing? I'm so sorry, Michael Gatos. It's the creators of Jessica Jones. Duh. They're back together. Killing the game. Um, and it, it is a really special book. I don't know a lot about Yakuza culture, and it's a really interesting journey. And I love tattoo culture. I have none yet, but I have seven I want. Um, so it's a really cool thing to have tattooing be a part of this comic book world, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. So check out Pearl. It is currently on issue 12. Yeah, David Mack does the covers for cover, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay, he that's... does the insights for cover as well. Okay, I got my brain mixed up. So but David I'm Mack is now. David Mack is the covers for not Scarlet, uh for Fight Club and Cover. He's the interiors for cover as well, and it's two different David Mack styles within cover. Ugh. Cover's one of the best books of this generation. But it's yeah. brilliant. Bendis and Geddes are magic together. Bendis has mastered this, like, find your best collaborators and just work with them. So Bendis and Maliever over on Event Leviathan. Bendis and Mac are on cover. And Bendis and Michael Geddes are on Pearl. Uh, and our final pick of the week is Jimmy Olsen number two. You need this weirdness in your life. You need this Matt Fraction in your life. You need this Steve Lieber in your life. You need this Jimmy Olsen in your life. Uh, I love the weird outside bizarre books. I love that this is coming out from DC proper. And uh, Matt Fraction is a genius. So, And I'm going to apologize to our, our viewers. Twitter questions are going to have to wait for me for next week because the Spider-Man news pushed us a little over. And yeah, I, I am going to be jumping on a movie talk. Uh, I, these questions are amazing. I love this week's questions. Know that next week I'm very excited to dive into them. Please um, keep sending us questions. Use hashtag Collider Heroes. Uh, we have so much more we'll get into. Next week we'll have news from D23. Please let us know what you want. I don't know. Just give us your thoughts. We love hearing from you. Tell us when you read Saga. And until next week, stay sweaty. Stay sweaty. Stay Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys? Let's go! I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.